Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a podcast where we cover every single episode of the TV show Lucifer while praising the great parts and pointing out the bad parts and diving deeper than you ever knew you needed. Join us for the climax of the show, if you know what we mean. I'm Lena. And I'm Vera. And this is Season 6. Today we're talking about episode 7, My Best Fiend's Wedding. Have you watched the movie that this title is a reference to, My Best Friend's Wedding? No, I think I tried once and it was just too romantic comedy. It's very cringy, it's very classic to that time. It's of course a Julia Roberts movie because back then every movie was a Julia Roberts movie. So Yeah, that makes sense. My summary this time is a wedding, a very short-lasting breakup, a confession, and an information bomb at the very end. Make sure that this episode keeps us very invested in what the hell is going on. (laughs) Yeah, there is a lot. There is a lot. But speaking of, when it comes down to the obsession of the week, I feel like Lucifer, because he wasn't really that prominent character in this episode, it's kind of difficult to pinpoint. But since he chooses Maeve over Rory, I went with Maeve as his obsession. Well, he did not really choose Maeve over Rory. She said she wouldn't come. And he dealt with the more pressing matter. Because he tried so hard in the beginning and he also tried so hard in the end, I actually went with connecting with Rory. Because in the beginning, it was really, really working and... If he had shown up at his tailor, it would have continued to work well. But because he wasn't mm-hmm. there, because he had a legit great reason not to be there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He did. It just falls completely apart and we have the confrontation. But he is still trying to connect with her, which is why I went with that. That leaves us then at two out of seven. Jesus, we're doing badly this season. And we're also doing worse than Lucifer now. Yes, yes, we are. It is time for the facts and funds. Our usual three are 11th time director Nathan Hope. Previous episode was Yabba Dabba Doomy. This is his last episode. This is something we're going to hear a lot nowadays. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say. 7th time writer Julia Fontana. Previous episode was A Little Harmless Stalking. This is her last episode. The title is set by Lucifer, putting him at 3 out of 7, which puts him in the lead over us. But more importantly, now this is hopefully the final time he says the title, because if it's not, I will have lost our assumption, bet, whatever. And if he does not say it, I will have won, so... Well, there's no price anyway, so... The price is being right. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I I hope you lose. The price is being right, and that is the most important of it all. We have three beautiful IMDb facts that I am going to read us through. In the opening, Lucifer tells Rory, the view is one only angels and very persistent pigeons ever get to see. As if to accentuate his words, the body of a pigeon who didn't quite make it lies unremarked behind them. And I caught that pigeon the first time I watched it and I saw it again and I love it. I did not notice it now or before. And what? I'm gonna... I know that you told me. I, now you saying this, I remember <sighs> talking about it in the 
in the special. But uh, no, no, didn't clock clock it whatsoever. Okay, I'm gonna try to get a screenshot and make a red circle for the fucking pigeon. Perfect. Next up, when May speaks to the demons, she actually says. I'm not gonna try this. Something in Dutch for under these unfavorable circumstances. So for the first time, she is not speaking Afrikaans, I think, right? Yeah, which makes sense because it didn't sound right. It's same. I don't speak Dutch, but I've heard a bit of Dutch. And yes, it sounded like Dutch to me. So mm. I'm curious as to why. And I kind of want to add this to the list of questions for Leslie Ann. Mm-hmm. Because usually she is the one translating the stuff May says. And so I was confused as to why this is Dutch. Yeah, maybe there's just not a good phrase for it in Afrikaans. Well, I feel like they could have figured something out. But it's just inconsistent. And I don't it's like that. It's interesting. Yeah, it's weird. So I'm going to put it on the list. Thirdly, and most importantly, when Mace kisses Eve and then puts her middle finger up to Adam is taken from a similar, no, identical scene in the Lucifer comics where Mezekin kisses Beatrice, no relation to Trixie, in the Silver City and puts a finger up the angels. Yep. And I am going to include that page from the comics in the post so you can look at it because A, it's super easy to find and B, Leslie Ann actually shared it on her Twitter. So yeah, yeah. She, I remember she was talking about it on her Instagram as well with the picture from the show as well as yeah. the comic and it's just so fucking cool. Yeah. And this concludes the facts and funs for this episode. Ta-da! That was fun, actually. You make it sound like it's usually not fun. Sometimes it can be a little too IMDb. But yeah, these are actually very, very cool. And I'm very proud of you for seeing the dead pigeon. Because I feel terrible for not seeing it. Again. But... Let's stop talking about my failures because we need to talk about previously on Lucifer. Then died, went to hell, but now is a ghost on Earth. Mace and Eve are getting married. Ames is on the police force fighting racial injustice. Lucy is going to be God and Chloe is going to be his assistant. Except he's going to disappear on her and Rory is their child from the future that has massive daddy issues. Very accurate. We start our episode over LA, I called it. Top of the building for me. The very first thing that jumped into my brain was how very Batman of Lucifer. Oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. My first thought that jumped into my brain was, I wonder what building this is. I cannot answer that, sadly. I tried to Google blue and gold building in Los Angeles and it gave me some Eastern something something. But I don't think it looks the same. So who knows? Maybe one of our patrons, who's actually a LA resident, Leslie, hint, hint, uh, <laughs> might be able to answer this question for us. So we're always happy when you send us emails because we love getting emails, even when they put in insurmountable amounts of pressure on us. <laughs> I we don't still know what love she's it. Talking about, uh, I live in denial. <laughs> But we'll yes, see how it, it goes. We'll see how it goes. No, for me, this was a very Batman moment and I very much enjoyed it. Then, of course, we have the whole quote thingy with only very persistent pigeon. Fucking pigeon lying dead in the back. But most of all, throughout this whole scene, this is by far the most cordial conversation the two of them have ever had. Mm-hmm. And given that last episode ended with them non-verbally communicating, I'm very happy that we have now moved on to verbal communication that is apparently even working. 
I really feel like that was a breakthrough for them and I was very proud of them. The yeah. song singing last yes. time. Oh, I'm also very proud of them here because this oh, is yeah. the best attempt of connecting Lucifer has shown and this is the most grown-up Rory has presented towards him. So I'm kind of proud of both of them. Yeah. He does the whole like super dad thing where he's like, maybe we can get matching camper pants. Which is no. like, that's no. so cute. No. But no. No. But I also love Lucifer's approach to Rory's question, who are you going to tell them I am? You can't tell them I'm from the future or anything like that. And Lucifer's like, ah, I'm just going to tell them the truth. I've been telling them I'm the devil for years. Also, telling the truth is his whole thing. Exactly. Rory should know that. Like, Chloe should have I talked mean, about that. I mean, she clearly doesn't know that much about Lucifer, which I still find super weird. Like, Maybe why? it was too painful for Chloe to talk about Lucifer since he's not there. I mean, mm, they maybe, are maybe. Deckerstar endgame love story stuff, you know? True, true. But at the end of this conversation... Rory is not keen on a meeting Lucy for the fitting and she flies away with a song called Invincible by the Phantoms. And her amazing, amazing wings. Ah, it's so beautiful. I love those wings so much. We got over to Chloe's. This contains a sentence that kind of helps me understand and it kind of supports what I was thinking already. She says, I followed my father into the job because I believed in him. I believed in the system, which is a luxury that she does have. It is a little naive and I am glad that she is discovering she was wrong. But it's something that I want to believe that is the case because otherwise the other option is that she saw what was happening because she's smart and a good detective and she notices things around her and she just didn't care. The thing is, when you have the privilege of living in a certain bubble, it's very easy to not be aware of the struggles that people not living in your privilege bubble have to go through. I mean, super simple example. If you are able-bodied and you can walk, you will not notice how frequently the lowered part of the walkway is actually blocked mm. by parking cars. And I was I visited a friend once in London and he's in a wheelchair. And so we had to navigate all around. And coming back, this fucking one single day had already made me more aware that I started noticing, like, okay, this is this is fucked up like this is this car is blocking away this is somewhere where a wheelchair can't go but before that I would never ever have thought about like, that this might be an issue mm. like of course in the abstract sense but nah it's not that bad probably and then suddenly you start noticing and I feel like th then I started having friends via a friend uh, in the hard of hearing community and suddenly you realize oh wait if I can't hear this then I have no idea what the fuck is going on and mm -hmm. then you start meeting not as able-bodied people at the conventions and then you see all these all these hurdles that you were never aware of because you yourself oh no I'm fucking able-bodied and I can just climb around something mm. and yeah no, I, feel, you're right. I feel like this is something and this is also something that we need to be aware that there is probably a lot of things we are not seeing and this is something that i said last episode when someone points something out to us our our gut reaction shouldn't be aggression or deflection mm -hmm. it should mm -hmm. be oh wait listen and then check around and see oh yeah this is a thing i can do better mm -hmm. so yeah i hope that she simply was living in her Bubble. white privilege nice cops uh legendary family 
bubble and never got confronted with any of this. And now that she yeah. has been confronted, she is looking. Exactly. And she is looking thoroughly because we see a lot of files. My other thing is that she says, I, I'm sorry, I didn't believe you, which makes me slightly upset with her because what do you mean you didn't believe him? Aminadiel came up to you. Yeah, I couldn't place that. Which, what is the part she didn't believe? I think that she didn't believe that it's such a problem until she looked into it herself, which he's slightly yeesh. And that makes it even yeah. worse for me now because mm. her wanting to return to the police force Makes absolute perfect sense. It's very Chloe Decker. It's very in character. But it's also a huge step towards the white savior thing that I was worried about. Because it's the, oh, I'm gonna go back into the police force now that I have been made aware of this problem and I will fix it. And it's like, ah. I know where you're coming from on this. But to be fair to her and her character, she never said, I will fix it. She always says, I will help you fix it. Yes, or, I know, but this know, is what I'm... Like that. Yeah. No, oh, you're right. You're right. It's good to be aware of this. Especially with the, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't believe you. But now that I've checked for myself, I'm going to return and make it better. It's like... Uh. Yeah. <laughs> also, I hate that he's not telling Lucifer right away. I'm like, come on, Chloe. This is literally the exact same situation that you had, you got so angry when Lucifer didn't tell you about the Rory situation at first because he believed that he didn't he shouldn't bother you or whatever and this yep. is the exact same thing it's literally the same thing yep. but I was so mad yep. I'm very very like, annoyed what's wrong? because we have moved past this evolution state of Dekastar many many episodes ago and I don't want to go back to it and it does not get addressed this episode we only get the oh I need to talk to you it's like oh Really? So yeah, I was very annoyed. Mm -hmm. We can move over to Lux. Which gives us a song. Lux. Not yet. (gasps) The song starts only when Adam first shows up. Shugav! Lux usually means Mm -hmm. we get a song right away. Well, at least we get mentions of songs. Because Eve says, like, removing... What was it? Black Sabbath? Black Sabbath, I think. From the wedding playlist. But then... We have the conversation about Maze's family. And Mm. all I have to say to this is just because you are related to someone does not make them family. While I understand on a theoretical level where Eve is coming from, I am more with Maze on this one. And I feel like this is not something that you should push when someone says, I do not want my relatives at this event. I think... It depends on how well you know the person and what are their motivations. So if she doesn't want them because she doesn't want to have anything to do with them and she doesn't like them, no, do not force them. But I have a bit of a feeling that with Mace, it was more, I'm afraid to have them around not necessarily I hate them. To me, the motivation doesn't really matter that much. But when someone says I don't want them there, then that has to be okay. Oh, yeah. No, I think that Eve wouldn't have invited them behind Maze's back. No, but I think she was just she on the topic. And I don't yeah, like that. I think she just wanted to make sure that, that Maze is not missing out on including her family in something like this. Because it's always difficult to uh, bridge that gap if you choose to in the future. If you exclude these people from 
your big life events because then you feel worse or you feel like they wouldn't care or whatever like whatever the reasoning is but like if you do have any intention of ever reconnecting with these people inviting them to your wedding is a good step there's no reconnecting if there was never a connection there was a connection don't tell me there wasn't a connection between Maze and her siblings what connection did Maze and her siblings have they spent eternity together they used to do all the same things just because your co-workers doesn't mean you have a connection but they enjoyed what they were doing just because both of you enjoy your work does not mean you have a connection I'm not on Eve's side when it comes to this she is very pushy because because in her mind family needs to be there and this is literally the only family Mace has at least relation wise and I don't get it because her actual family is all there so there is no need for any other in my opinion that's fair enough we're just gonna have to agree to disagree because I feel like Eve's motivation are slightly different than that anyway I am very happy that Eve is back because we haven't seen her around for a few episodes and she just has a great energy and I love her and Mace together it's just they're just such a good couple oh yeah Maeve is a great couple no argument there but they hug and just when it feels like everything's gonna be okay we get a song playing very briefly that I couldn't find on the internet but some people were very persistent that it is called I'm Taking Control by Jensen Bird according to these people it's just an unreleased song who knows it hasn't been re- released yet we see Adam walk in slow-mo <laughs> in his slow-mo and we immediately get a title card oh wait 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 Wait, 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 wait. We see him walking in slow-mo. We see his hair moving in the wind. The wind thing. Oh, my God. And we do get the name drop, Adam, before the title card. And so after that bomb is dropped, title card. And it's like, what the fuck? Yep, yep. After the title card, we get another song. And more slow-mo. More slow-mo. It's by Cutting Crew. And it's called I Just Died in Your Arms. If you want to know more about it, you're going to have to go into My Devils in the Music, into the bonus, because I am covering that song. Spoiler, it's not about dying, actually. It's about sex. Isn't everything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially relating to Adam. Apparently, there's a lot of stuff happening in this scene, but my main complaint is how is talking privately working at the bar when Maze is like literally five feet away that it's just like how is that talking privately don't ask me questions that I can't answer Ask me no questions and I tell you no lies. I mean, it's like, Mace can hear every single word they're saying. And if another single word is babe, I was this close to punching my fucking screen. Oh my god. I wanted to punch Adam so hard. Especially when I was watching it the first time. I was just like, He's so gross. I, I was really, really afraid when I was watching this the first time that Eve is going to kind of fall back into her old habits and start and actually listen to him and just like leave this behind at least for a beginning and that's gonna be the plot point of him coming back and I was so happy when that doesn't happen and she actually after the initial kind of a fear and confusion that she kind of goes through she finds herself again and she's like no 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 I did not choose you I'm choosing Mace goodbye I hadn't consciously realized 
released that Eve is engaged to her ex-boyfriend's former wife's daughter. What? Well, say that again. Eve is engaged to her ex-boyfriend's former wife's husbands. No, they ne- they were never married. She points that out. Oh, okay, okay. Ex-boyfriend's... Eve is engaged to her ex-boyfriend's former wife's daughter. Ex-boyfriend's ex-wife's daughter. Because Lilith is his ex-wife, and her daughter yeah. is is Maze, and Eve is engaged to wow. Maze. Wow, that's not complicated whatsoever. That's a bit weird. Right? It is a little weird, but with eternal beings. Yeah, of course. But still, it's a bit hilarious and a bit weird. I just hadn't consciously realized this because... It's yeah. actually true. Also, I cannot go past the fact that Mace calls Adam you first pancake of a human. Yes, that's uh, the best insult of this entire scene. So good. So fucking beautiful. And after this, we get the whole I didn't choose you, but I chose Mace. And this is a thing. Like love and free will and choice and everything. Very important things. In the comics with the whole free will thing. And then we get the kiss. Kiss, kiss, kiss. And the middle finger. <laughs> and it's in the middle. In <laughs> the middle finger. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And speaking of all the music that are that is happening in this scene, we get a song. A third song. By Moana A and Koda Kids that is called Queendom. And I love this song. It's a very good song. That is very very on brand and also wow seriously we got three songs in one scene mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. okay I mean yes it's Lux but still wow they're just groups together this episode yeah absolutely, absolutely. nothing 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 four songs nothing 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 three songs so apparently Adam is now a thing and we're gonna have to deal with it but before we do that uh, we have to deal with other things namely we're going back to Chloe's Mm-hmm. Rory is there and she's getting some kind of breakfast thingy. What's the name it's of that? Crocombouche, is it? I don't know. It's a, it's the sandwich that she made for Lucifer in like season two or season one. Aww. With the egg in the middle. And they mention it when they do the flashback episode where we meet Chloe's dad for the first time and we solve his murder. <sighs> so in the flashback, he's doing it. He's making that for Chloe. <sighs> I had totally forgotten that. Okay, so this is actually very, very sweet. Nice. Mm Mm-hmm. Not so sweet as the whole business with the fly. Okay, so the fly shows up pretty immediately, right? And I'm yeah. like, you can hear it as well. And see it sometimes. And I'm very confused. My first note is, what's with the fly? Yeah, I was like, wouldn't they just, like, when if it only showed up at the beginning, I'd be like... Okay, maybe they just didn't want to retake. But then you can hear it. And I'm just like, why? What? Why? Do you know where my brain went? Because we talked about Maze's family in the previous scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Same. I thought it was because of demons and decaying bodies or something. And that some shenanigans were going to happen. But no, apparently it's just a normal ass annoying fly, which we've all had in our homes. Mm-hmm. And holy shit, the way Rory fucking impales that fly to the cabinet. Wow. That is yep. uh, that is very gym of you. And that only makes sense if you've watched Our Flag Means Death, which you haven't. Shame on you. But... Damn. Wow. It's five hours of your time. You have time. Watch it. Do I have time after last week's recording of four hours? You have time to watch Our Flag Means Death. Trust me. Chloe is kind of freaked out by the whole wing knife situation because apparently she hadn't seen her wings. No, she hadn't. Which I was not actively aware of. It makes sense, but wow. Yeah, I didn't realize it up until this point, but... 
that she wouldn't. But no, she wouldn't, actually. And yeah, the realization on Chloe's face of self-actualization is a little harsh. I mean, she is always blaming herself. And in this case, it's Mm. kind of understandable. So we'll see how it goes. Yep. But before we get back into any of our other things, we need to visit Ghost Dan. And Ghost Dan is in the precinct. And I was so happy when we see that Carol is back. Yeah, it's been a moment. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a moment. And he also has like really grown onto me, you know, like mm. mold. And I kind of miss him. <laughs> no, I just can't get rid of him. Stinks. But can make beautiful patterns. I was a bit confused that Dan is so apparently annoyed by the fact that Carol is using his cup just because it says Dan on the cup. Honestly, to me, if I had a cup with my name on it, which I don't, but I have several cups that are mine at work. Mm -hmm. And when I die, if that should happen at an age where my cups are still intact and at work, I would hope other people would use my stuff and maybe remember me whenever they do that. So to me, that is actually like a a positive thing. It's like a memento. Yeah, an homage thingy. So him being like, oh, why are you using this? It's like, Dan, really? I think he's just getting to a phase when he just can't really cope with being a ghost and not being seen. And it's getting him angry. This is how Paul Poltergeists are normally born, just FYI. In other universes? Absolutely. So far, Mm -hmm. as we know, he is the only ghost stuck on Earth. So Mm -hmm. I would assume Lucifer was all of this works differently. But of course, then we have the conversation between Ella and Carol. Mm -hmm. Poor Carol thinks that Ella has second thoughts about bringing him to the wedding. When she has second thoughts about the wedding, because she is freaked out of course she is but i love that she sets him straight she looks him straight in the eyes when she says i don't have second thoughts about you and that is a very important Mm -hmm. but this conversation as nice as it was to see them together after a while ella walks off in her lab and this is where i am getting a little annoyed because my first thought was I really hope that since Dan is around, she's gonna alone in the lab, seemingly open the fucking board and he's gonna see it, realize that she now knows about divinity and tells Amenadiel so he can deal with it. That was my hope and my expectation. And then she goes on to the whole fucking pronoun game. Oh, but they and they and they. It's like, fuck's sake. One single name drop would have been enough. Yes, but... Do you ever talk to yourself? No. Well, I do. And I know that it kind of makes sense to me that her conversation doesn't really make sense. Because when you talk to yourself, the entire conversation is happening in your head. So you don't have to say everything out loud. So uh, when I talk to, to my cat or when I talk, when I used to have conversations like this with my dog, I wouldn't always say everything that I was thinking. No, of course. And it just... And I wouldn't really say names, because why would I? But playing the pronoun game is a classic in television and movies when they just refer to someone not named so that the other person will have no way of knowing who they're actually talking about. And I'm, in general, not a fan of that, hmm. because it's I usually... I didn't see it as a trend, personally. Oh, the, the playing... The, you don't watch Honest Trailers, apparently, because that is no. one of the sins they point out and it's yeah it's happening everywhere so it's a thing i'm 
oversensitive when it comes to that. Are you saying you just ruined television for me? Mm, maybe. Great, thank you. We're over. This is done. No, we have three more, four more episodes to record, sorry. Then we can break up. But I was completely with you. My expectation was that she would open the fucking whiteboard. And of course, she opens the fucking whiteboard right the second after Dan goes away. Why? Why did he leave? Why? I don't know. He doesn't have anything else to do. I hated this. I hated this scene. Also, I'm very much over Ghost Dan by this moment. And this episode does not help. And I have been over him since the last episode. So we're just going to leave it at that. But she opens the whiteboard. And obviously, because she opens the whiteboard, I had to go on a freeze frame frenzy. Because there's more new information. Yay. So, we open it, and on the left side, we have now a posted edit to Lucifer's picture with question mark, question mark, red eyes. Ooh. On Amenadiel's picture, we have the, I think, supposed emo feather in a plastic bag next to his picture and a post-it that says huge feather gag, I think. Like, gag as hmm. a joke. Then we have written Charlie half angel, question mark, question mark. Linda, Charlie's mom, she must know, exclamation point. Eve, the underlined first woman, question mark, question mark, question mark. Maze's picture gets a freaking demon, question mark, exclamation mark. And a post-it with never gets hurt, question mark. <laughs> then has a stricken out beneath his name, werewolf, question mark. Vampire, question mark. Centaur, question mark, question mark, Centaur question mark. Centaur killed me the most. I don't know <laughs> how she came to the conclusion of Centaur, but I'm very curious. And if we don't have enough questions for Amy, I kind of want to put that there to see if she can come up with anything. And yep. then on the main middle part, one more incident has been added. And it has been added for Alaska. Doctors can't explain it. Patient's kidney replaced with second liver. What? Yep. What would that be? So you can drink more alcohol. Yeah, but now what would, what would that be in relation to the end of the world? No, it's, the middle part is where all the weird incidents get connected. Yeah, but the weird incidents are supposed to be connected to the, to the end of the world, right? Yeah. So I'm wondering what is this incident, how is this incident connected to the end of the world? In how eyes? is the fact that uh, stuff is less spicy than before, related to the end of the world or that socks are going missing huh. it's all yeah. it's just the the influx of weird incidences is what is worrying okay Ella walked us through this when she confronted Amenadiel have you already forgotten that yes okay and this end of the freeze frame frenzy okay Linda's therapy yes I don't know about you, but for some reason, I thought that Mace and Eve made Adam go to therapy so Linda can help him. This was my assumption when I saw him in the office before we get the reveal that he actually found her himself. And I found it hilarious and great. I have three notes and two and a half are in caps. So (laughs) my first is, how did Adam come to Linda? My second one is, Linda does not know Adam is Adam. And the other one is, this is so fucking ominous and I hate it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's all I have to say. Yeah. I noticed that Adam grabs the book that's called Mail Fail. Yes. 
Of course. Which interesting choice there, Adam. It already shows that you want to change. Subconsciously, he knows. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which is something that I believe Linda noticed. And this is where her work actually starts when he kidnaps her. Then when I realize that, that she doesn't know, I'm like, oh, shit, shit, shit. I forgot about this. And call him an insecure fucking idiot. He is actually laughable, except when he's kind of dangerous, but he's not really dangerous because... But we don't know it that. It doesn't... Yeah, it doesn't take Linda that much, apparently, to turn him, I guess. But it's just this weird situation when I just want to laugh at him because he's so fucking dumb. But also, I'm slightly scared because I don't know how dumb he actually is. The thing is, his entire existence, he has listened and believed into a certain set of truths mm -hmm. and some people react very badly when you confront them with the untruthfulness of their life's truths and some people react better to it and actually embrace change and progress mm -hmm. and Rewatching this, of course, you know that all ends well. But first time watching this, I was legit worried for Linda. Mm -hmm. Because this would have been like a, a legitimate plotline. Yeah, absolutely. And specifically when we then get Mace and Eve showing up at Linda's office. Because and Eve, Eve is... knows Adam. She knows how he yeah. works, how he thinks. Yeah, and she is so on the ball. She is really making sure that she knows where this is going. So she's making sure that nothing bad happens to Linda because obviously she loves Linda. What I found curious at this moment was that Mace isn't really engaged actively like the way she would normally be. Even yeah, though this is the Linda, first red flag. Her best friend, Linda, has been abducted by somebody. And she's like, just such a matter of fact. It just doesn't ring Mace to me. It just Yeah. It threw me off so much. This was the first red flag because in the end, of course, we get the reveal that she spilled the beans to mm -hmm. make sure Adam actually crushed the wedding. So her out of character behavior here makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Retrospectively, absolutely. I have a question. Did they give Linda a fruit basket or sex stories or both? Yes. Because Eve seems to think they gave Linda a fruit basket and May seems to think that she paid in sex stories. So I'm going to put this as our poll. I demand the third answer to be yes. Uh, the third answer is going to be both. No, it's going to be yes. Okay. Not both and yes, because we have four options. Oh, yeah. You know what? Do that. I absolutely adore Eve's imitation of Adam, I must say. Oh, my it's God. It's so I'm... on brand. I'm sorry. Mr. I named all the animals. Well, the he fact did. That he is so hung up on that. Like, he brings it up and she knows that he always brings it up and she brings it up as well. And then he continues on later keep talking about that one thing that he did. Well, he did name all the animals before Eve was created, so... I'm proud of him. He's so smart. I mean, he had a purpose at least, but then that was done, right? When we leave the scene, I was so sure that Mace had like a specific plan in her brain where she was going to pretend to be Lilith to like solve all of this, which of course doesn't really make any sense because mm. she doesn't want to solve all of this anyway. So she is self-sabotaging. So yeah, not really anything else from me. Mm -hmm. But we get to follow up on Chloe's storyline by also coming back to Ames's storyline. Line. So they meet up at the precinct and Chloe is asking about the wings 
of course. I lost my shit for a moment there because she walks up to him and then she goes, oh, let's uh, step over here to talk privately. How is that one step to the side making any difference who can hear what they're talking about? It You're doesn't. really hung up on where people are standing today. No, because they it's meet. it's so obvious that it's bullshit. Just don't do it. Just don't have to, oh, we need to talk privately. Oh, we need to step to the side. It doesn't make a difference. They run into each other on the stairs. No, they're on the, on the, 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 the path thingy. On top of the stairs. And then they move to the middle of the pathway where if anybody was starting to get close, they would see them approaching. No, 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 no. Very upset. It's very useless. Continue with the wing thing. So, yeah, they talk about the wings and I am here for Ames' reaction. His first reaction is, oh, that's super cool. And same, dude, same. But then they start talking about the reasons that Chloe is thinking about coming back. And then she starts talking about the fact that she's afraid that by her coming back, Rory didn't feel safe and that's why she has the knifey knifey and now she's considering kind of stepping back and running away from this and Luz and Emenadiel goes you're lucky you have a choice at all so many people don't have the option to just walk away from this fight and this is exactly what we've been talking about exactly since last episode so I'm glad that this gets addressed and set on the show as well because we mostly know this, but it's good to be told by people who don't have the luxury. Yeah. So it needs to be fucking spelled out that Chloe has a choice. And yes, of course, she is making a choice and it is important that she's making this choice. But the people actually affected by this don't have that choice. And having choice is a fucking privileged position all by itself. Mm-hmm. And so I like that it's addressed. I like that she acknowledges that this is a privileged position and that she has to make a choice. And she does after she's being made aware. And this just follows step in step after being made aware of an issue that she was previously blind to. And I feel like it needs to be mentioned, it is not the job of affected people, no matter if, no matter what the topic or the group, to make others who are not affected aware of this but it makes it easier it's a chore and it's totally fine when affected people are like yo you know what it's not my fucking job to educate you we have the fucking internet how about you do it yourself but sometimes it's easier and when when we have enough strength to educate people on our own stuff it's good when we do but it's also okay when we have no energy left for that no matter what the topic is so we go over to Lux and we start with one of the grossest sentences ever muttered on the entirety of this show and that is Adam saying a doggy always comes back to its bone. Ah, I for- I have I have Ugh. deleted that out of my mind. You're welcome. That's how gross that is. And he continues with his condescension and everything, but we don't have to suffer long because Eve is finally doing what I wanted her to do since the fucking first second Adam shows up and that is kicking his Yes, with her rainbow-colored belt. I was so fucking here for it. I love this. I was kind of hoping that the fight would be longer, but also I'm glad that it was just one punch and done because he does not deserve... He does not have the... Yeah. Neither does he have the skill to, to fight her or he doesn't deserve to be on screen for longer than that. He has neither the skill nor the stamina for her. I mean, there is one of the reasons why she left him. Oh, hell to the air. I would not be surprised. 
So we go up to the penthouse. We get some conversation and he is absolutely delusional because he got rid of Lelev. Sure, my dude. Tell yourself mm-hmm. all the lies you need to believe in. Uh, yeah, no. No, 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 no. I actually really loved how Mace walks in and is playing Lilith, even though Adam calls her out on it. He tells her, oh, you're not Lilith. And she doesn't care. She just kind of goes with it. I was still with her when I saw that Eve was getting uncomfortable. But when she starts pushing through when Eve audibly says, please stop. Yeah, I thought this was part of the plan. I thought they were playing Adam. Yeah, exactly. So the moment when Eve just actually starts talking back and asks, her to stop and me still keep pushing that's when she lost me and rightfully so yeah turns out so we get the fucking reveal that mace sabotaged her own wedding which just leads me to Mm. say oh mace Mm. you need so much therapy Mm -hmm. mostly in this moment i was very very proud of eve because she says i can't be the only one who believes in you and walks away and this is such a healthy behavior by her especially by her because in her past she was so dependent on her partner that it was extremely unhealthy and now her having her own agenda and everything is just ah it stands out even more because adam is in the room oh yeah eve is choosing the healthy option and that is right now walking away and that's where we're at at this point Adam, for some reason, is not revealing where Linda is, even though apparently he has no reason to hold back that information. But never fear, Mace has called Lucifer to drop by. And it is very, very beautiful that he instantly realizes what's up, basically. That something Mm -hmm. is bad, that Mace is not really doing good right now. Yeah, not in the best headspace, is she? And we also get the title drop. Mm -hmm. And so we have a moment where he... Joe's Adam. Mm-hmm. And we find out that Linda is actually the best therapist in the world, nay, the universe, because she manages in only a couple of hours turn Adam from being a misogynistic fucking asshole into somebody who is trying to get rid of his toxic masculinity. Is that what he says at this point? That is what he says. And I mean, she doesn't turn him, but at least she has she started the it. process and he is being aware. Where, which, of course, realizing that you have a problem is the first step of fixing said problem. Very true. Like I said, name all the animals, avoid certain fruit and be a man. That means be strong, show no weakness and problem solve through violence. He kind of never really had a chance with that setup. Mm-hmm. So while I still blame him because he's fucking old enough and he probably had enough exposure in heaven to very liberal minded people. So he could have bettered himself but he also got a pretty fucked up start and yeah and he didn't have a reason you know he didn't see any need to change himself like he said wokeness is hard which is just like wow dude can you maybe maybe you should just stop talking for a while Hmm. but we get the information that we need and lucifer and mace have the bestest relationship at this point and I love their friendship mm-hmm. and so we know that Mace is gonna need Lucifer's help and 
There's but one thing she might need help with. Oh, yeah. Well, we do get the mention at the beginning when he first shows up that he is supposed to be at a fitting for the wedding, which, knowing how this is going to go, is giving me the timeline and it's like the little ding, 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 ding. He's not going to be there for the fitting. Hello. And I don't think he would have mentioned it unless Rory actually shows up there, which later on is confirmed. I know that we are short on time in this season, but unfortunately we don't get to actually see the little favor that Mace is gonna ask. It would probably be too long anyway, but we jump straight to the conclusion. So we are at Eve's I would think apartment, but judging by those small liquor bottles everywhere, I thought maybe it's a hotel room, yeah? It's probably where they are supposed to start their honeymoon period. Oh, I didn't think of that. There's a song blasting by Air Supply called Without You, which is the ultimate ballad for broken hearts. And Eve is listening to it over and over. It was shortlisted for My Devils in the Music, but not chosen in the end. It was a runner-up. And of course, with the romance song, she has the booze in the tiny bottles and all the chocolate because bad romance songs, booze and chocolate is the holy trinity for heartache. That's what I'm told. But I love that Lucifer shows up and how, how is this possible that he is the most mature person in this conversation? The most helpful as well. To me, it's just such beautiful moments to see him so helpful and so nice to his friends. I, and being there for them. I wouldn't call Eve him. not acting mature. I mean, she is sitting alone in her hotel room, getting drunk, eating chocolate, listening to sad yeah, songs. That's so. catharsis. That is healthy. We move over to the balcony thingy, I would call it, or terrace railing. He has gotten her a present and the present is, you know, something old, something new and something borrowed with plenty of nasty blue bits. And that, of course, is a reference to you're supposed to have something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue at your wedding ensemble. Also, he calls it a grand slam, which is mwah. Yeah. It's definitely my favorite Lucifer quip in this episode. Okay. And so we see all these dead bodies, uh, freshly dead bodies, the bicycle driver and someone with a hard hat that apparently didn't protect him well enough. There's a lot of fun bits with the zombies, basically, Mm -hmm. as Ella calls them. We got a callback that Squee is here, which of course is one of the few demons who we actually know by name, mm-hmm. who we didn't like, but apparently now it's great that he's there. It makes absolutely no sense. Like These are soulless demons that have so far shown no capacity of genuine uh, affection. I don't understand why they're there, but apparently it's surprising that even they are there because we have a fresh batch of white supremacists in hell, which uh, can most of the siblings down there. So do with that as thou wilt. I like that they chose specifically white supremacists, especially in the context of this and previous episode and also context of the world right now. Yep, that's all I have. Maze has this beautiful speech. That's the first time that my eyes started watering in this episode because she goes off on this talk about... I realized I was holding on to some pretty old ideas of who I thought 
demons are supposed to be. Some demons will have happy endings and stuff like that. Which it's so big of Mace to say all of these things, to admit to all of these feelings and the ideas. And it's often, it feels like in real life, we hold on to ideas of what things should be and that's what holds us back from being truly happy and it just was very touching and out there and I loved it. I just, everything that kind of goes on between Eve and Mace from this point forth, I'm just completely in love with and I love them so much. We go to the fitting that Rory showed up despite her claims that she wouldn't make it. And this is the one time where I'm not with Rory and her anger towards Lucifer because mm-hmm. he did not know that she was coming and he had some really important stuff to take care of. So yeah, no, and this is the one moment where I say, get over it. Yeah, but she doesn't have the information from the other side yet. Not yet, but still, like because this leads, of course, to the confrontation in the next scene. But this is the one conflict between the two of them where I say, get over it. Yep, but now the beautiful, beautiful wedding. So I'm going to start this scene off with saying, I've been there. I have a few pictures. Uh, you couldn't really get inside the garden and or the building, unfortunately, when I was there. You mean the location? I was like, okay, so now there's going to be a wedding story. Oh my God, no, 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 no wedding story. I've been to just a few weddings. None of them <laughs> were anything like this. No, I've been to this venue. It is in LA. It's just around the corner from the place where Lucifer tells Chloe that he will never be able to love her. Ooh. And it's like two minute walk. That's a nice tidbit. But it's so beautiful. And I have some pictures. Pretty sure I've taken a video there as well. And one day I made actually... I might actually put these videos together. I know I've been talking about it for like a month and a half or two months, but maybe, maybe one day. Well, let's see if you can make it happen before we finish or maybe if it's some kind of bonus content when we're finished. We'll see. No promises because we have no idea what the fuck we're doing. The first thing I noticed when we go to the wedding is, of course, the sign at the entry of the wedding. And that says, pick a seat, not a side. Either way, it's for a bride. I never understood why you have to pick a side. Because that is how it's usually done. Yes, that's the only reasoning. It's usually done that way. But yeah, welcome to church weddings. Wow. I think that what they write on their sign is perfection. And I love it. Well, probably also so you know, like, okay, this is the groom side, this is the bride side. Like, usually you hang with the people and usually during the actual wedding, you don't know the other people well enough yet because at weddings you tend to have, like, the not as close relatives there as well. And Mm. it would be probably very impolite to have chatter during the wedding. So maybe it makes sense to not get to know people during the reception. We move towards the seats and we have a Manadiel sitting there by himself. And apparently he's saving the seat for someone. So he's sending Ella and Carol away to sit right behind him. I fucking hate that. And then we get, of course, to the fucking stupid conversation with a ghost thing. I'm not gonna go into this. I'm pretty sure you're not gonna go into this. We have repeatedly said that we hate it. My biggest issue with this moment is that I do not understand why Amenadiel decided to not let Ella sit there because Dan neither needs or actually is sitting down. So, and also besides, 
he literally gets up like about 15 seconds after Ella sits down and goes to stand in the back anyway. What was the point? Yeah. Exactly. What was the point of that? So that's my biggest fucking... grind and I'm going to let it go now. Oh no, I heard everything about this because this is more ghost than uh, amenadiel yeah. awkwardness shenanigans. But then a random Trixie suddenly graces the screen. Yay, it made me so happy. And then she tortures Lucifer and Chloe a bit, which is always hilarious. Isn't it just after... Carol points out that it smells like a three-day-old crime scene and then we kind of get the after we have that interaction between him and Ella we kind of move over to Trixie, Lucifer and Chloe and to me and I know that this is reading into things but to me it feels like Trixie just knows exactly what's going on because she's just kind of it feels like she's looking knowingly at the Maze's friends slash family And then she turns over and starts torturing. So, sorry. Just wanted to put that out there. I'm gonna give you that. It's my headcanon. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then, of course, everyone settles down. Rory shows up, refuses to sit down next to Lucifer. We have this very awkward moment. She sits down in the bag. And then it is time for the bride to enter, being walked down the aisle by Linda. I have never understood the point of dresses you can't properly walk in. And while I see that it is a very pretty dress, the non mobility of the dress does make it a non-mace dress for me. Yeah, it's very unusual for mace to be wearing something that's not also practical. Oh, no, no, no. I, like, I don't need practical, but... No, I mean, yeah, but like ready for fights. If it had a slit or something, that she would be this confined is that hmm. what feels out of character. Because obviously yeah. she can just rip it if she wanted to kick some ass. But I think that all of her other outfits are non-restrictive in a fighting department. So as well as hot. The only dress she ever put on that was like this in a restrictive sense was when she thought she was going to have to be queen of hell to kill off her budding soul. And that was not a good place she was in back then. So I was very confused that this is the dress Mace settles on for her wedding. But alas, it is what she settles on. She is being walked by Linda to the front, which I found absolutely beautiful. Though I was surprised. I kind of would have expected Lucifer to walk her down the aisle. Mm, I feel like Linda is currently her best friend. Or... Technically, it's Trixie, as we find out during the reception. But <laughs> but yeah, I feel like Lucifer... Is her longest and dearest and closest friend for millennia. For me, either or. So... Like, it would make sense for me if it was Lucifer as well as it is Linda. I mean, Linda is the officiant of the wedding, so... She already has her role in the wedding. So my expectation was that Lucifer would walk her down, but nope, not happening. Which, fine. I don't have any hang-ups on that. Hmm. Before we can do anything more with the actual wedding setting, we cut to basically backstage, I want to say, mm-hmm. where Eve is pacing. And sadly, we get more Adam. Very briefly. But I think we can all agree with Linda. It is an interaction that is very important to Eve by choosing, again, making a conscious choice, not being in a position where I don't have anybody to walk down with, but rather be in a position where she can go, I am choosing. I have the option to not do this by myself, not to walk down the aisle by myself, 
but I am choosing the option to do it by myself because that's what I need to do for myself. The Linda part is much later, so I was like, what? Yeah, no, no, no. The Linda, Linda says it at the reception, but that is something that uh, is true to her word, I think. Okay, so Adam shows up. And mm -hmm. he presents this as a very nice sentiment. Like he acknowledges that he has no hold over her and she needs to be happy and yaddy yaddy. And of course, he turns it bad again when he's like, well, actually, you were a part of me. This, to me, worked really, really well because the whole thing about giving someone away at their wedding is a fucking gross concept anyway. Because usually it is a father giving away his daughter to another man. And I'm sorry, there is no way that is not gross to read this tradition. And so it fits very well that Adam, meaning well, which is rarely doing well has this sentiment that, oh, I'm going to give you away because... And so, of course, due to the fact that Eve has become her own strong person, is, of course, giving herself away. Because, let's face it, the only person that can give away your heart is yourself. And that's the way it should be. That is very true. And for her walking down the aisle and for the wedding itself, we get a song by Laces. Laces are back. And it's called Worship. And it's a beautiful song. Wedding time! I'm pretty sure you have more to say on that than me. I just don't have many notes on what's about to happen there because I was just taken by the promises and by the vows that they take for each other. And it's just really, really nice. And they're so beautiful and it's just so beautiful and everything. Can we really great. call it vows plural if Maze's vow is just I fucking love you so much? <laughs> Probably not, you're right. <laughs> I, for me, the most relevant thing is that this is the first time we see Mace not being triggered by the word soulmate. Yeah. Yeah. It's just <sighs> about time. About time Mace gets some happiness. And Eve. Yeah. Happy together. We go into the last scene. The party. Okay. And we get a song as we are leaving the wedding. And then there's another song playing at the reception. So the one that we get as we are leaving the wedding is called Good Ones. And it is by Layet and it's the La Felix remix. The song that plays at the reception is called Da 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 and is by EMM. Wow, that was a weird combination of letters for the second one. Yep. The first thing that I noticed at the party is that I now know what rubs me so wrong about Adam because Adam somehow manages to make every compliment sound like an insult and I know people like that. Ah, it's so gross. Yeah, but I, I know people <sighs> like that and they, they actually don't mean those things in a bad way. But it's like, wow, how, how can you not hear you how hear this yourself? sounds? And they're like, yeah. what? I don't see it. Like, and that is Adam. That is Adam. And Linda tries mm -hmm. so hard, like, drop the actually. It's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, wonderful. And then, of course, we get a moment that I relate so incredibly deeply to, and that is in Carol's first contact with vegan cheese, when he says it tastes like cheese, but not like cheese at all. And that is <laughs> the most accurate description of vegan cheese ever. It tastes like cheese, but not like cheese at all. That is vegan cheese. Exactly. Yeah, I tried to avoid it because I tried it once, melted, and it literally melted my, my mouth from the inside. Oh, there's so, so many different, like, saying I tried vegan cheese and that's why I'm not eating vegan cheese is like, oh, I've, I've had wine once and that's why I know I don't like wine. That's or coffee or anything. 
anything, really. Also, it depends on how many years ago you tried it, because, oh boy, they've gotten better. But still, to this day, it tastes like cheese, but not like cheese. I've noticed... I don't know if you've noticed that, but we get Trixie chatting to uh, the brides in the background for this entirety, where we kind of watch Carol and Ella, and then we also watch Dan and Amenadiel. And for the entirety of that, Trixie is at the bride's table just chatting away, which loved it. That is very in character. I love that. And... I have to say, when we get to the conversation that Dan has with Amenadiel, boy, as much as I hate him hanging around like that and the situations that we are getting into, this must be so difficult, especially then we get the little cut through at Trixie Mm. and we see how much that hurts that he gets to see her, but he can't communicate with her. Ah, It's so bad. I just wish that there was a solution. There is a solution. But I wish that we get it like ASAP because I'm I don't want him to be hurting anymore. I want him to go to heaven and be happy with Charlotte. I feel like Lucifer accidentally did him a disservice when he stopped him from having a hell loop. Because yeah, without having this, a hell yeah. loop, it seems to be incredibly difficult to figure out what is actually your problem or your underlying Mm. issue and you're suffering regardless so you might as well suffer in the right direction so to say (laughs) because like he says this is worse than hell yeah or its own kind of hell or something that he says and so i'm like hmm lucifer meant really really well but damn this is not working out for dan but i mean on the other hand lucifer does get his just desserts just not in the way Because Chloe does the worst thing you can possibly do. And that is the we need to talk and then not actually talk about it. I actually find that beginning of that conversation really, really good. Because she shows up and opens with, so the babysitter is taking Trixie home now. Which I find very, as a very elegant way of getting rid of Trixie before the Ella explosion. So we now don't have to debate was she there, wasn't she there, could she hear it, couldn't she hear it. We know that she has been now removed from the situation. I actually would have preferred to have Trixie there and just be like, oh, I, d- oh, I knew everything, no worries. Oh yeah, 100%. I'd rather see that. That but would have been such a nice tie-off for does Trixie know or not. Yeah. But also, before we get that, Rory approaches Trixie. Oh, God, I hated everything about this interaction. And, like, you know, there's one thing where we are talking about the fact that we hate how dumb the ghost is handled. Because, you know, you can always kind of say, like, eh, but, you know, they don't really have ghosts in this universe. And, yes, they don't have time travelers either, but Rory knows well enough not to talk about the future with the people in the past. And she mentions it in this episode a couple of times that it's difficult for her that people keep asking her questions about this. And then she comes up to Trixie and, first of all, calls her tea, like they're the best friends ever. Second of all, starts talking to Trixie about things that clearly are raising alarms for Trix. Because, I'm sorry, Trixie... We all know that she's smart, she's observant, and this is super fucking weird. So, I hate everything about this, so that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it's just a very weird situation. And then, of course, even though, as we're about to find out, she's not a teenager anymore, she starts behaving like a teenager and she grabs her stuff and starts leaving. We only needed this scene so that she can then later on uh, blame Lucifer for favoring Trixie or something. There's another question here. Did game night happen twice? 
like Lucifer said, or once a week, like Trixie said? That is a very good question, because that's confusing, because technical Lucifer is not supposed to lie. Why would Trixie say once a week and cause basically like a triggering event to Rory unawares? So this is my second option for our poll. I'm thinking maybe they do have game nights with Chloe every week and Lucifer Orlin has been there twice, but I don't think that's the context that Trixie says it. Yeah. So yeah, weird. Yeah. I agree. So I'm gonna A, put this... Probably as a poll and B, gonna put it on the question list. Yeah, um, and then we see a very short moment of Ella being very, very drunk. We have more mm-hmm. thriller-like mm-hmm. movements in the zombie demons. Mm-hmm. And then we have the confrontation between Rory, Lucifer and Chloe. And I love Chloe in this. I'm sure she has a perfectly normal explanation. And then he has, he has a perfect explanation. And, oh, well, maybe not perfectly normal. It's like, yeah, it's Lucifer, of course. It's normal for Lucifer. Exactly. But I really, really love that. With the perfectly normal. Well, maybe not normal. But it is a perfect <laughs> explanation. And like I said before, this is the one thing where I'm not with Rory. I could understand everything else, despite her apparently being, what, 40, 60? We don't know her precise age. We now know that she is not a teenager. That is officially confirmed. Let's assume Chloe gets to be the ripe age of 99 years old, which would be very, very old wow. for a human. I think So that would be, say, 65 years from now, so That is the right? oldest that Rory can be, which is mid-60s, right? Yes, I'd say so, yeah. Yeah. Get over it, girl. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. I don't know. I see that she's hurting. Oh, yes. And, and I understand the hurt, but not this. How long has she been around, what, at this point, yeah. a week? Yeah. So literally her mother died in front of her a week ago and now she's traveled back in time. Like, it's a lot to take in. Yeah. But also, but still. the moment Lucifer shares the reasoning, if he hadn't intervened, the wedding wouldn't have happened. So exactly, I feel like she should have. there's like nearly no better explanation as to why he wasn't there. And I actually had a conversation exactly. with a friend like, yeah, like you have to, for certain friends or in friend situations, you just have to be there for them. But yes, there is always a bigger fish. Like, I don't know if I'm having a severe depressive episode and I call my best friend and her grandma just died. Then yes, of course, she needs to take care of that. Yes, I would also mm-hmm. be happy if like maybe she checked in on me with once in a while. But there is always bigger fish. No matter how bad a situation is, there is a chance that something else is even worse. And then it is okay to take second fiddle and so yes yeah that to be fair at this moment we get the timing is terrible because we start hearing ella in the background and lucifer's first reaction is to i need to help her and it's literally when rory is like yeah but there's always gonna be somebody you're gonna choose over me and he just goes away because honestly there's nothing he can say anyways that's true Like, there's no point in hanging around because the only thing that she's going to do is to be more angry at him, which will possibly result into her storming off. And that's the best case scenario at this point. So he might as well just leave. Yeah, Yeah. we have Ella at the mic. She's very drunk. Like you said, good thing Trixie got taken home. And Ella comes clean on everything. And it is so fucking painful when her point is, the issue is not the divinity. I already believe in all of this. The issue is that you are all my friends and you didn't trust me enough to tell me. And the two of us 
We have been yes. complaining about Ella being the odd one out, basically, in this group. Mm-hmm. Especially given the fact that she already believes all of this. And I kind of feel it's well deserved that everyone gets hit with this like this. With the, mm-hmm. how fucking dare you people keep me out of this? How are you even my friends? But before yep. we can dwell on that, we have the whole fun thing with the... Wait, you don't know the world is ending? Yeah. It's like a dropping the biggest turd on the entire crowd. Like, what? And just because this is Lucifer, we can't end the episode on that. We end the episode on Carol coming back because he needed to clean up the spilled champagne that we forgot to mention. And he goes, what did I miss? What did I miss? Which is, of course, perfect slapstick comedy. He missed everything. To wrap all of this up, the episode gave me more emotions than I wanted it to give me and more than I expected it to give me. Ella getting this drunk gave me cringe, but like I said, the reveal that her main issue is that no one trusted her enough to include her being the thing that hurts her the most was straight up painful. Way more painful than the cringe. I hope that this reveal does not get sidelined by the whole the world is ending plotline. Chloe going back to the force makes total sense character voice, but like I said, it's definitely another step toward the white savior storyline that I was worried about in the last episode. We're gonna see how it continues because obviously it depends on how it is performed. If she somehow comes back and then by herself remodels the entire police force in that city, then it is the white savior thing. Lucifer properly connecting with Rory, at least in the beginning of the episode, was beautiful to see. And while I am absolutely incredibly frustrated with her at this point, her behavior that we see in this episode fits with what we know of her character. It makes sense, even though it's fucking annoying. Like I said, we now did the math. She seems to be mid-60s. So having her act this childish, given the support system that she had growing up, even if you ignore Chloe as her mom. She had Mace, she had Eve, she had Ames, and she had Linda. She should be more stable than this. I am also wondering if the whole the world is ending thing is going to relate to Lucifer disappearing or dying or Rory time traveling or something completely different. Because we only have three more episodes. And so, yeah, there's a lot of things happening right now. The wedding itself was very sweetly done and very much in character. I could have done without Linda spelling it out to everyone why Mace had her walking her down the aisle and why Eve walked by herself. Because it was a very, very clear to me. But this is probably one of the, oh, we need to make sure everyone understands it. Eh, Given the comments on IMDb, no, they didn't. And that, of course, leads us to Adam. Like I said, the most negative comments on IMDb focus on Adam as a character and him being a representation of too much wokeness. And while I hated literally every single thing about Adam, he made a lot of sense to me. His whole thing was very much in tune with the whole belief that women are lesser than men. And it also kind of made sense to me to have him show up at the eve of Eve's wedding. This is firmly closing the entire chapter and all that. Three more episodes, the world is ending, and Lucifer still has a death date. I can't wait. Okay, so this episode is nearly an hour long. I mean, not our podcast episode, because that's way longer, but our episode of this show. But it feels it's only an hour, but it is super packed. There's so much that that has happened in this, in this one. I thought we'd be way more focusing on Adam when I first started this, watching this, but he ended up 
being a very much sideshow for the wedding, which is good because I didn't really care about him or his character development, however non-believable it felt at times. What I am glad is that we are not completely abandoning the police corruption and racial injustice storyline. I like that it seems that Chloe will go back to the LAPD to help the fight and not lead the fight. She obviously has connections and they should use those in order to push Ames and Sonia higher up so they can be a part of the change and not just somewhere on the street. But most importantly in this episode, the wedding. I cannot put into words how much I loved the whole storyline of Eve and Mace. It is so good and heartfelt and beautiful and the wedding turned out absolutely perfect for me. But back to the metaphor for a little bit, because Ella drops the bomb in the very end that prepares us for what I only assume will be the final roadblock we'll ever encounter on this show. The end of the world. And with this, we say thank you for listening. Please find us on our various social media. We love interacting with you either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon over at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards, such as early release, merch, and hours of bonus content. Yes, Hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really help. Or telling all your friends about us, because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you! Bye! Bye.